Fueled by the Outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Brought to you by the Elite Outdoors. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Rick Cates. And on today's podcast, we continue our conversation with Ohio Wildlife Officer Chris Gilkey. Chris and I sat down with him last week and asked a ton of questions, and we get even more information out there to, uh, today, along with some of the questions that you guys asked us. Just as a reminder, we're on all major listening platforms that are Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, CastBox, and Anchor. We're also on TuneIn if you have that. We do ask that you give us a five-star rating, and if you could throw a review out there that's positive, that's helpful too. As always, we're available at theeliteoutdoors1 at gmail.com. That is theeliteoutdoors1 outdoors number one at gmail.com if you want to reach out to us with any questions thoughts or concerns hopefully you guys enjoy the second half of this podcast so switching gears a little bit i got a i got a question it's it's kind of like we're past this part of the year but you can still find them uh we had a question about deadheads and finding them and what If you find a deadhead, what what is the process to legally keep it? Like, are you allowed to like if you find it in the woods, pick it up and just take it home and keep it? Uh, is it considered a shed? Is it considered still, um, you know, you got to tag it? Like, what what what's the process with that? That's the best question we got. Okay, so <laughs> I'll speak to the state of Ohio because okay. I'm not familiar with the other states' regs, but I'm sure it's something similar. So if you're out, let's say you're out mushroom hunting and you find a dead deer, you find an antler deer and the skull is attached. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a, even if it's a piece of the skull, if, if you're able to tell that that deer obviously is, has died, that deer for you to possess, you know, any, any part of a white tailed deer in the state of Ohio, you need, you must have a permit or tag or seal or certificate to do so. Okay. Um, most commonly, you know, I get a lot of calls, um, turkey season or right before I, I just got an email the other day. Uh, what I like to see, and I think what most other wildlife officers would prefer to see is at a minimum, um, take a picture of that deer. Now keep in mind when you take possession of it and you hike out of the woods with it, you know, at that time you're technically in possession of an illegal deer. Okay. Um, so, you know, I've had landowners, you know, call me immediately and take a picture and send it to me. And I have granted them permission, you know, to take it. And then I, I've, uh, I've got them a permit. There's been other times when, you know, um, different scenarios where I want to, I want to physically go out and see, you know, where that deer died at. Was there any foul play involved? So, you know, sometimes it's simple, if, you know, something old that, um, you know, we can just get a permit for real easy, but it's always good to take a photograph. I always tell people to take a photograph, you know, mark it on your GPS. I don't hang it in a tree, do whatever you need to do. But, uh, technically, you know, to possess those, those deer racks or parts, you're, you need a slip for that. Okay. Okay. And that's if part of the skull is attached to the antler, correct? Correct. If you can obviously tell, um, you know, um, this is not giving guys permission to, stomp it with their with their boot right and, uh, <laughs> right and uh and you know break it off but 
I'm good. So sheds, sheds that naturally fall, sheds, you can obviously collect them and there's no issue at all. But when it comes to a, you know, quote unquote deadhead, as you called it, um, you know, you need to, you need to get a permit for that. And just to be clear for everybody that wants to spin this, this is a deer that's been dead for 10 years and it's only the skull, or this is a deer that somebody wounded yesterday and you found it today, it, that the rule applies the same no matter what, right? Correct. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. It applies to, it applies to everybody. I, okay. I'm, I myself um, found one here in my own farm and, um, you know, I had to have the officer in the next county odor, you know, issue me a permit for it. And just, just like, you know, you would have to do so. Okay. Good deal. That's good to yep. know. Very. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, it's very common and when you drive around, you, you see them, you know, you see people have them everywhere and, um, you know, but I always tell people, people just collect them and they bring them home. But if something ever happens, you know, where we end up at your house, you know, and, and it's a situation where, you know, it's, it's got to do with illegal deer and you have all these deer racks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every, every one of those you have without a slip, technically, you know, you could be charged with. Okay. So it's, it's important that you take the time and, and, um, yeah. And, and, and take, take the ones you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got some guys, uh, some guys, I think I write 25 a year to them. Um, they're picking up every, every little four point they get, but Hey, you know what? That's my job. And, and that's, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Sometimes they know it takes me a little bit more time to get to them just depending on what time of year they find them. But, um, so yeah, so that answers that. So the deadheads, you, you technically in the state of Ohio need a, a tag seal certificate or slip for them. Okay. That's an awesome question. So let's, let's switch gears a little bit and get away from I'm going to go, I'm going to go backwards on you just for a second. Okay. Um, a lot of times, one of the the biggest problems is guys carry saws all in their saws, all in their truck in the fall when they road kills, a lot of people Uh. jump out and and are skull capping those. And, you know, you got a fresh buddy skull cap driving down the road um, you know, you're, you're not allowed to ta- obtain that without having a slip. Um, okay. so that, that's something to think about. Absolutely. Um, so let's, let's stray away a little bit from the, the, uh, grilling him with the law questions <laughs> and, and all that. And let's talk about, you know, I, I know it's kind of cool to see how excited <clears throat> you are about your job. And I, I can't say enough how much we appreciate that because, as guys who truly value what mother nature gives us. Um, we, we love to see that kind of enthusiasm. So with that said, uh, what would you consider one of the more defining moments in your career to this point? Whew. Man, that's a big question. I mean, I feel um, like a lot of the times, you know, you're having to enforce laws and everything, but uh, I would assume that there's got to be something that's just like turn your world around or something, maybe. Um, man, I, you know, there, there's been a lot of things that's happened in my career that's given me some, you know, great perspective. Um, you know, different people that I've met in the field, you know, walking up on that kid, you know, that killed their first deer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's been so many, this job has given me so many rewarding moments. Um, I guess, you know, your, your question was, you know, what, what the, you know, has defined my career. Um, I, I don't, I really, I don't think I can sum it up in one situation. 
I, it's, it's a collective, for me, it's a collective of little moments that has, that has come together to form, you know, just one big experience. Um, you know, I, I've had everything from, you know, people walk up to me. Uh, I, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a, an example. I was on a hunter incident and a hunter incident would be something where, you know, something was shot while somebody was hunting, whether it be, you know, a building, livestock, a person, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, I got called to a hunter incident where a hunter had, had got, had got shot, um, by a 12 gauge copper solid slug. And, and, and this, the, the full scenario was the, um, they were doing a deer drive and there was a turkey that was running across the ground and it went to fly. And one of the, one of the standers decided to try to shoot the turkey with a deer slug. Oh my gosh. And so he had, he had shot at the turkey and one of the slugs ricocheted through a woodlot and hit this, I don't know, I'm going to say it was 1920, something like that. And it had hit him, uh, in the cheek. Hmm. So, you know, we get on scene and, you know, we got life flight coming in and everything else. And, um, you know, not, you know, not that good feeling, you know, we've, we've all, all of us officers have been in them situations, you know, where you, you know, you just, it's just a bad situation. You know, you're wishing you weren't in that situation. You weren't, you wishing somebody else wasn't there either. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I remember, you know, loading him on the gurney and everything. And, um, you know, want, you know, in my mind, wondering if, if, you know, this guy, you know, what's going to happen to him. Um, so I remember loading him up into the, the life light helicopter and, you know, watching that helicopter take off. And then, you know, for us, you know, our job is to go back to work. And when I say go back to work, you know, it's, it's our job to recreate these, these crime scenes. And, and back then we didn't have canines that can find the shotgun wad and the shell. And, you know, so you, you got five or 10 guys out there retracing all these steps and trying to find out where they are. But, you know, when you go home at night, you start to think about, you know, man, how's that guy doing it? And, and a lot of times we never know. So we'll fast forward two years later and, um, I'm at a, uh, I'm at Bass Pro Shops in Cincinnati and I'm working down there in uniform. And this guy walks up and he taps me on the shoulder and he said, how you doing? And I said, I said, good. I said, how are you? And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, man, he said, you don't remember me, do you? I said, I said, no, you know, I, I, I don't remember you. And, and he turns, he turns his, uh, his face to the side and he takes his finger and he points toward his cheek oh, and he's geez. got, this, he's got this scar right here. And, uh, it was kind of crazy because, you know, it just, it hit me right there. Like, you know, I, I, if I remember right, I think I just give him a big hug. You know what I mean? It was, mm-hmm. so, so, you know, that's, that's when you talk about defining moments, it's situations like that, you know, where, where you were able, you did all you could to help somebody out and, and, you know, and, and it, it was a bad scenario. And, you know, there's, you, you, so you take that one and then you, you take the guy that you, um, you know, I, I charged a young man one time that was on a, on a bad path. And, um, you know, he went through the court system and, you know, five years later walks up, sticks his hand out and says, you know, you, you, you saved my life. If, if it wouldn't have been for the fact that, you know, I got caught and, and you put me where I went, you know, I, I wouldn't have made it. So, you know, I can't say, um, and I like to think that, you know, I, there is no defining moment, um, to my career. I, I know, 
you know, some people could say, well, you know, this case or that case or, you know, or this award. But for me, um, no, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you a defining moment. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a, <laughs> yeah, not doing it. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a, a plethora of 15 years of just, just some awesome experiences. And, you know, some of them good experiences, some of them bad experiences, some of them scary, some of them, you know, mm-hmm. anybody that, anybody that's worked in law enforcement is going to tell you that, you know, there's a roller coaster and, and especially, you know, in wildlife law enforcement, it's no different except for, I think that, um, I think that we get a chance to see, you know, people in their best light, especially when it comes to, you know, the outdoors, you know, I, I yeah. can, I can tell you how many times, you know what I mean? Um, you know, people have killed their first turkey or first deer and I've ran into them and checked their license or, um, you know, I, I, I checked a 90 year old guy out hunting one time, but it never, wow. been checked, never checked by a game warden. So, <laughs> wow. so yeah. So, you know, I, guys, I gotta say that, you know, for me, it, it's, it's a bunch of little tiny experiences and, and you ball those in the one and that that's, and, and I'm glad of that. I'm glad I can't tell you that, oh, man, this one time was the best, the best I ever had. Um, I, I can't say that. I, it's, it's, it's a whole conglomerate of stories and we could be on here for two years talking about them, but you know, I give you one there, the guy that, the guy that I thought, you know, possibly was not going to live. And then, you know, to, to run into him a couple of years later, um, you know, just how awesome is that, you know, to be yeah. a part of that. And, and, and so, so yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to give you a defining moment. Cause I, 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 I if, if fair I, enough, I fair enough. I, I will, I will tell you as far as career wise, the most rewarding thing I've ever done, you know, I've been fortunate enough. I was honored in 2010 with uh, the OBA officer of the award a year and been nominated for a couple other things. And those are, those are great. But, um, the most, the most rewarding thing that I've ever done has to be, um, working my canine. Okay. I, I have, I have found more, um, more happiness being able to work that dog and see what he's capable of. And, and I found more joy in that, um, than, than anything. I mean, it's, it's, it's been awesome to see people's reaction and then also to be able to put together those cases work, you know, I go to work with my best friend every day. I mean, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and we, we would have him, he's upstairs right now, but, uh, <laughs> If I had him downstairs here with me, uh, we, yeah, it would be pretty, pretty chaotic. He'd probably be in my lap right now, but <laughs> so I will tell you that that is the one thing that I have enjoyed the most. Um, I can't, couldn't imagine going to work, uh, you know, without, without a canine partner. Once, once I've had a taste of it, it's, it's something that I, I hope I get to do the rest of my career. Awesome, man. That, that, that That's what it's all about. And that, that's, you know, you get to work with your best friend, you get to do something that you love every day and you get to be you know, just immersed in it, which is, you know, what, what we all kind of hope for when we, when we pick a career, but, you know, especially with the outdoors, you, you want it to be around you all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I do have like a couple more questions and I know we're, I mean, I think we're, I mean, we're almost at an hour and a half at this point, but we got, we we got, we could, we could do this all night. Um, (laughs) um, Anytime I I enjoy it. I think it's good for people to, to, you know, be able to hear, hear an officer answer questions. And, um, you know, I, I think there's such a stigma that surrounds the term wildlife mm-hmm. officer game Absolutely. Order, or the other, the other plethora of names that we get called. Um, 
<laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it's good for people to realize, you know, we, we're, you know, we're no different than you, you know, we just chose, um, the path that we chose is just different. And, yep. uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's up to us to, you know, to toe the line the way we do. And I think it's, it's up to us that, you know, somebody, somebody has got to carry that torch. And those of us who are in wildlife law enforcement, that's, you know, we're, we're passionate about it. We love it. And I, I think that guys, you know, need to look at the County officer need to look, you know, as officers in general, they need to look at them as, you know, we're the good guys. We're, we're on the same team. Yep. Um, and, and for God's sakes, you know, when you hear those rumors and stuff, you know, go, go straight to the guy and find out the truth. Um, and if it's not a pending case and it's something he can, he can discuss, I I'd say you're probably going to be pretty enlightened to hear what the truth actually was. Um, cause how, how quick things get twisted and manipulated very much does very much does so i think the one of the other questions that we had um i mean i've got three floating around in my head right now but again we're in the middle of turkey season right now um what constitutes a baited site for turkey um and this this is this is a question that I hear, especially in the fall, because guys will bait their deer areas or and things like that. How far away do you have to be from a baited area in order to hunt turkey? And what actually constitutes a baited area for turkey? Okay. Well, first of all, you're you're getting into a very gray area. Yes. Um, you know, the definition of baiting is, is people placing, you know, exposing, dis- depositing or distributing or scattering, you know, grain, corn, you know, things like that. Um, normally we think of corn, people mm-hmm. spreading corn out on the ground. Um, so when it comes to that, the, the way that I look at it um, is if you're, if you're in a baited area, then, then birds are under the influence of the bait. Now, turkeys are very susceptible to bait. Mm-hmm. I Absolutely. Mean, yes, they are. And I, I mean, I've been, I've been doing the job for 15 years, and people that are spreading out corn and feed in the springtime, you know, all the bait cases that I've made in my career, those birds, are, they're sucked to it. It's like a magnet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so when it comes to putting corn out and bait, the way I look at it is if – if those birds are under the influence of that bait, I can tell you n- number one, the first thing I tell you is if you're a hunter that's on a property and there is, you know, a spin feeder that's still full from last year's season, whatever, you know, when in doubt, forget it. it it's, it's, it's not, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm saying if the property's big enough, could you go to the other side of the property and not be in a baited area? You could be, but it comes back to, you know, if you could be, you could be 500 yards from that corn pile, but mm-hmm. if those turkeys are flying off the roost and every morning making a beeline right to that bait pile, you're hunting turkeys that are under in the influence of bait. Um, so it, it, it is very gray. I mean, most people we see, you know, are hunting within pretty close proximity of that bait. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. and, and that, you know, most guys got a blind set up on a corn pile that's 15 yards from them. 
Yeah. Which, I mean, with a corn pile that you can see from the space station. I mean, there. <laughs> hey, don't be knocking on the corn piles like that, even though illegal <laughs> one's bad, but we like space station. So, I mean, I, and I hate, I know, you know, before this, you know, we kind of talked, you know, um, you know, let, let's have a real, let's have a real conversation here. You yes. know? And, and I, so I'm, you know, I'm not trying to um, tiptoe around any question or answer, but sure. what I'm saying is, is, it, it it's it's like that status on facebook it's complicated um <laughs> <laughs> it, it is i you know first of all i mean if if you're hunting turkeys over bait you know in my opinion you're not you're not hunting um and second of all if if you find yourself in a situation where you're you're questioning it the fact that you're questioning it alone um, is probably good enough a reason not to hunt there. That's your answer. Yeah. But, but, but like I'm saying, I mean, and, and by default, the best thing that somebody could do, you know, if you've, if you've ever, you know, got permission to hunt a farm and walked in there and found out, you know, you had knowledge and you seen that there was corn there or leftover corn, pick up the phone, call your county wildlife officer and say, this is what I got. What, what do you, you know, what's your opinion of this? How, how would, how would you like for me to go about this? And, okay. you know, he, he's going to have that knowledge for himself. And he's also going to have that knowledge, you know, he's probably in the past dealt with the county prosecutor and the prosecutor could say that, you know, well, we, we feel any, anywhere, anywhere on that farm is, 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 is tainted now. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of gray areas that you get into when it comes to the bait, but, you know, no, no doubt if, if you're hunting and there's bait out there and those birds are coming in underneath the influence of the bait and you're taking advantage of that, you're hunting over bait. That's a baited area. Good to Um, know. So, you know, I, I would say, you know, there's anybody listening that is putting corn out anyways to hunt turkeys over bait. They're probably going to keep doing it. Um, anybody that's out there that, you know, has that question, oh man, I, you know, I, I thought, um, you know, I thought my, my corn feeders were empty, but they're not. You know, do I want to take a chance? Do I not want to take a chance? And, um, you know, I've had landers call me that say, Hey, you know, I just checked and my feeders are still going what I do. And, you know, I've had them go out there, take the feeders down, rake up all the corn and, and wait 10 days. You know, uh, it, okay. that, all that, all that grain and stuff has to be, you know, by law, it's got to be gone 10 days prior to you hunting. Okay. So, Good to know. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, it's a possibility that early on in the season, if somebody didn't pay attention and, you know, didn't realize that their feeder was still full or something like that and wanted to do the right thing, you know, go eliminate it. My, what I always tell people is, um, you know, about, about March, about March, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that make sure they're empty. You know, we're, we're through the worst of the winter anyways, the deer, the deer are doing fine. It's starting to green up. Um, it's always good. You should be, you know, a lot of people are putting out mineral for deer in March. Exactly. Um, it's, yeah. it's a good, it's a good time to dump a bag of mineral and, and then, um, you know, be able to um, check those feeders and make sure they're empty. So, you know, I don't want to tip toe around that one, but you know, um, that, that baited area is, is very broad and that, that comes down to the discretion of the officer. Uh, and, but I can tell you that if, if it's, if it's obviously, obviously them birds are coming in, underneath the influence of that bait um i've even seen i've seen a guy broadcast soybeans one time and then hunt over broadcast the soybean field yeah. um, he felt that he was planting soybeans but you know it, it, that wasn't the case you know what i mean so the, 
<laughs> he was planting soybeans. Jesus, Pete. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So bait is generally grain. What if I go spread manure out in the middle of a field because I know that it holds bugs, holds heat, and therefore bugs, you know, their their food and everything. Is that technically baiting or no? It's baiting a proxy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Maddie. Oh man. Um, you know, I've never I've never had I've actually never had the manure question you know, come up like that. The only reason um, I ask you that is because I noticed I had a farm this year where the farmer, he, every year he spreads manure and mm-hmm. I'm starting to catch on. This dude spreads manure at the same time. And all the birds around here are on his farm about two weeks before season. And then something about it, 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 you know, gets broken down and uh, maybe they eat all the bugs or, you know, whatever the hell happens these birds just disappear. And I thought, man, I need to have him spread that damn manure out there maybe like three days before the season or something. And then I was like, well, I don't know. Is that, you know, they're eating, is that baiting or, you know, how's that work? Well, I mean, I guess it comes down to if, you know, if you would look at the definition of baiting in a baited area, you know, Baiting is, it talks about scattering of shelled or unshelled corn, wheat, or other grain, salt, or other feed, so as to constitute for wild turkeys or, you know, birds uh, to lure them in or, or attract or entice them. Um, so if that, if that is placed in the area where somebody is hunting and you're attempting to take them, you know, the manure itself doesn't fall underneath, you know, the grain and stuff. But think about this. If that manure, you know, if they're graining cattle, um, now you're talking. Now you're talking about, you know, if I, I would, this would be, this is how I would tell you. If you're, you would be purposely, like you said, you know, spreading manure out there that you know has grain in it. Mm-hmm. You, you know that that manure is being spread um, for the purpose of distributing that that grain that's in that cow manure, and you're going to hunt over it. I would I would say that you're you're tiptoeing in an area right there that I would not want to be in. Okay, all right, <laughs> fair enough. Good now, deal. now obviously, um, that is if you know you know some some cow manure you know obviously has you know corn and stuff in it. You, you obviously can see that. So you know if your intent your intent was to you know that's that's like you know like you said what is it baiting proxy you said yeah baiting uh, by proxy yeah so I mean that that um what what's your intent. Yeah. is what that's that's what my that's what i would be looking at what was the intent you know was the intent with to, to you know hide corn um it's like people it's like people throwing out black sunflower seeds because they think that we we can't see them or you know there there's oh, dyed green, <laughs> there's dyed, oh, there's, there's dyed green corn on the market um oh. you know, so there's all kind of all kind of things out there um but you know that is one, and this happens all the time. You know, I, I've got 15 years on, but there's times, you know, when somebody will ask me a question, I'll be like, I don't know for sure, but I'll get back to you. But the short answer here is, if um, you know, if they're spreading manure and there would be uh, corn and grain in it, and, and they're spreading that for the purpose, uh, you know, to hunt turkeys over, I would say that I'd say that's that's pretty thin ice. Uh, that could go. Okay. Uh, Good to know. Either way, depending on how it is viewed. 
Okay. Sounds but good. Each, each, but each case on that, you know, I'd definitely refer to your county officer um, sure. and, and see how they view it and the, and the prosecutor. And, um, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's normal for people to spread manure. You know what I mean? That's right. That's not, that's not abnormal. Um, but at the same time, I can see people, um, you know, it, it's just like grain spilt by normal agriculture harvest. You know, people, you know, you, you can mow a field and hunt doves over it. You know, you can mow sweet corn down and do that or, or your field corn. You can, you're allowed to do that. But for, for waterfowl, you know, geese, you can't do that. Really? So, you know, mm-hmm. so if there's, so if you, um, you know, some people think that um, sweet corn fields, when you mow it down, you can hunt geese over it. You, you can't do that. It's not, that's, that's not legal. But when the shell corn, you know, when they, when the, they're combining corn, there's, there's some excess grain that gets spilled and that's, that's normal. That's a normal thing that happens through the, to the normal agricultural harvesting process. But, you know, if somebody's setting their combine to throw out, you know, a heck of a lot more than normal. And I mean, you know, these are things that have happened. You know, yeah. what, what was the, what was the intent there? You know, the intent was we're going to, you know, get some more corn on the field, you know, so we can hunt it. So there's all, all kind of little particulars and there, there are some, some gray areas that I would recommend that if you have a, if you have a, a doubt, you know, don't, don't ask, like I said, don't, just don't go to Facebook and ask the question. Um, <laughs> Facebook has all the answers, man. Go, go, go to your wildlife <laughs> officer and ask yeah, the question in your go, county. Go, go to the expert. Please. I see so many times people ask, post questions to, um, to everybody, but the person they should be posing the question <laughs> to. That's awesome. So yeah. I've got, I've got a question more along the lines of season type stuff because it's popped up a couple times um, on my news feed or people have posed the question to me and it, it's two different ones. Um, I want to talk first just because, you know, we're getting, we're actually getting pretty late. We're almost at two hours, um, <laughs> but um, Bobcats and black bears. What, what's the potential for seasons for those at any point in Ohio in the future? Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I wrote. I was skimming through some of the questions on Facebook, and I actually wrote down some some questions and some people that asked them. I know the bobcat season. Um, it, it, it's Mitch, and I'm not even going to attempt the last name out of out of respect for Mitch. But Mitch had <laughs> asked about a bobcat season. Yeah. So where that is right now is there's a lot of research going into that. Okay. Um, obviously the bobcat population has just increased like crazy, but you know, before, you know, there's a season recommended, um, you know, before we go that route, they're doing the research now and, and seeing where we're at. Okay. Uh, You know, it's, it's, it's our job, you know, we're in charge of the wildlife in the state of Ohio and it's our job, you know, to do the research and make sure, that these things, um, you know, we're implementing it and it's okay. So right now it's in the research phase. Um, and I know a high university in Athens was doing a lot of the necropsies and stuff like that on roadkill bobcats. We were collecting them for them. So they're, they're doing a lot of the necropsies and, and we're getting an idea of where, you know, what this population is like and can we withstand a trapping season and still, you know, be able to, um, have a healthy bobcat population. So that research is being done. Um, that's the way we do any species. You know, we have to be able to justify it. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's something that's in the works right now. Um, awesome. It's 
it's it's it's quote unquote it, it's it's not boring at all but it's it's the boring behind the scenes work that nobody gets to see that, go, that goes in, into you know can we do this so there is um you know that that is something that i i think that we'll see in the future um if the research and the data supports it okay black bears um yes so you know we are getting you know more and more black bears in the state um Will we live to see a black bear hunting season in Ohio? Maybe. Um, you know, maybe, maybe not. You know, you got to understand that the most of the state, you know, doesn't have habitat to support black bears. Right. Right. So, you know, where I'm at in Southeast, you know, we have bears down here and um, I was fortunate enough to get one on my trail camera a couple of years ago, which is pretty cool. Nice. But uh, I got you know, one last, last summer in Adams County. <laughs> pretty shocking when you're flipping through there isn't it <laughs> oh hell yeah, yeah that's Long a big that's a big raccoon oh my god a it's a bear right? <laughs> yep i did that i did the same thing but so you know the black bear you know more and more we're starting to see more bears um you know i that's something that we see a lot of young males that are traveling through you know we mm-hmm. don't have a whole lot of we don't have a whole lot of reproduction you know going on but um you know that's something that you know there's people that you know, could say when they were kids, they never seen any deer. That's very true. Um, yeah. You know, so, so what the future holds as far as our black bear population, you know, I don't know. I know, I, I don't know if we'll get to the point where, um, you know, we, we could have a, you know, a selective season or, or something, but, um, you know, I, I, I know you'll see, obviously you would see that come with a bobcats, uh, way before you would, you know, black bears. Awesome. If, to know. If, if, if I can, I'm going to, I'm going to spin into a couple questions that I, I, I yeah. got here. I'll answer. Uh, I know Rusty Mills had asked, you know, about releasing elk in Ohio. Um, again, I just, I don't see that. I don't see that we have the habitat for that. And if, uh, you know, we know how bad, you know, we have, uh, with, with deer damage and stuff like that and the deer mm-hmm. population, I just think that, uh, Ohio, I, I don't think that, um, I don't think that'll be on our agenda to release elk, but, like I said, I always tell everybody nothing, anything can happen. Um, but I, don't, I, I, I personally, um, I can't see that, you know, we're a very populated state and, um, I just don't think that we have the room to handle, to handle elk herds. Um, I did see a question where a guy was asking about out- outlawing baiting in general. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, people, oh, people are outlaw. you know, um, and there was a couple of years ago, there was a question on our bow hunter survey, you know, about whether people would support, you know, to stop baiting deer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, the overwhelming majority support was people, people supported um, being able to put corn out and hunting over for deer. Absolutely. So, you know, we do those surveys to gauge what the sportsmen want. Um, you know, and if there's, there's big enough, you know, want for that, you know, obviously that's what we try to go with. Um, as long as, you know, long as that supports what's going on biologically and everything else, you know, I, I did get a question the other day. People said, you know, what about disease and stuff like that and baiting? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't think that we'd be on a stay at home order right now and all the barber shops and everything else that are shut down. You know, you, you, you never know what can happen. I mean, right. could it come down to the fact that, you know, um, you know, we ever get a chronic wasting disease outbreak or something and, and, and then they, they stop baiting. Could that happen? It could happen, but you know, that's, 
those, those decisions are way above my pay grade. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, as for right now, I know talking to one of our deer biologists that, you know, the baiting was, was very, very, very much supported. So I don't, I don't see that going uh, anywhere right now. Okay. Um, I got two more if I can get through these. Yeah, absolutely. They're probably Uh, the two that I'm thinking of. (laughs) Chris, Chris asked about the new check system. Does it allow, does it allow people to, you know, are we, are we, Basically, are, are we catching more people or, or more people breaking the law with, you know, being able to tell a check and things like that? And I'll, I'll answer that by saying people that are going to break the law are going to break the law. And back when we had the Form 58 was the, the, the paper form you filled out in the metal mm-hmm. pad, um, people found a way to break the law, you know. What, um, form 58? Yeah, that so that was what you know, that's what our term for was it. That was the, <laughs> the that was the form you filled out when you killed a deer. So you would have to take it to a physically deliver it to a check station. Yeah, the check stations. You okay. Yeah. Well, I thought you just took a tag. Was that the form fifty eight? Yeah. Well, you the the person behind the counter would have asked you all the questions. And they and filled you it out for you. Okay. Okay. And they give you the metal okay. tag. Okay. And, then, and, then, right. and then you, you got a metal tag. So, you know, there were people back then, you know, that were still, you know, a lot of people thought that, you know, not delivering your deer to a check station would cause it to happen more. Now, what I will say about the new check system is technology is a great thing. Um, I, I personally believe, you know, after 15 years of doing the job, the electronic system has given me as an officer a lot more tools that I never had before. And I personally think that having that real data in hand instantly benefits me more than the old system where you would fill out a form and never be, you know, when I was in Adams County, you know, I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these forms and we would ship them off and then we would wait several months to get them back to actually look through them to find any discrepancies. So okay. my opinion is the new, the new check, check system, you know, it's convenient for hunters. Um, and, and I, 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 I'm, I've grown to, to really like the system and I've grown to really like being able to access that data. You know, when I pull up in the deer camp, I can run those tags that are on those deer and find out, you know, if there's something fishy going on, I can immediately get on the radio and have my dispatcher tell me whether this guy has, if his deer tag's valid, not valid. Um, if he's checked in a deer already, how many? So in my personal opinion, um, the people that were cheating before, you know, that cheat, you know, they're going to cheat. Um, Absolutely. So, so I, I personally think that this new system, the electronic databases and the telecheck has provided us with, as officers with more tools. Um, if, if, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's, you know, the lottery or, or um, any other system out there, you know, people, people will find a way to cheat and mm-hmm. um, they'll find a way to cheat. And then, you know, our job is to find a way to, to close that loophole. Um, you know, that's, that's just something that you, you battle, um, you know, in general, in any form of law enforcement, you know what I mean? So I am, Chris, I am a fan of the new check system. I like what it brings to the table. I like the ease of use 
um, with four sportsmen. And I also like being able to have that data instantly. Um, and it's, it's probably, I, I, it's, I've made more cases with that than I have the old, the old system that we don't have anymore. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. That's good to know without going into too many details. Yeah. (laughs) Um, other than that, I had one from, um, guys, the favorite part of the job, not the PG answer not the answer that says you just love wildlife. So my favorite part of the job for me, uh, I really like the enforcement part. Um, I, I really like, um, you know, I, I love seeing people in the outdoors and I love, you know, just, just being able to have that job where I pull up and say hi and, and talk to people. I, I like that. But for me personally, my favorite part of the job is running my canine. My favorite part of the job is, is catching the bad guys. Not, mm-hmm. not the guy, not the guy who, you know, who, who forgot to buy a fishing license, you know, I'm, I'm talking about these guys that are out here that are taking advantage of the resource. And I like catching poachers. Um, and I, it's, it's, um, it's it's just something that, yeah, I mean, it, it it is, it's, it's, it's a form of, a form of hunting, I guess, but you know, it's a challenge, um, for us, you know, something that I've, I always say is, you know, poachers got to be lucky every day he goes out and I've only got to be lucky once. (laughs) <laughs> and, um, that's a good way that's a good it. that is a very good way of putting it yeah and i you know there's yeah and and you know there's we take you know we we work very hard and and you know the officers in this state um we take a lot of pride in what we do and when guys there's nothing hurts us more than to go out and find a deer with its head chopped off and um to get these reports i mean to tell you that you know you're, you're not supposed to take the job personally but um you know, it definitely no different than it upsets you guys to hear of, you know, you're getting poached. It mm-hmm. definitely upsets us to know it's happening in our counties. And we work really hard to make sure that, um, that doesn't happen. And, and, you know, I, sometimes it's taken years to get, you know, one guy that, you know, you know, is real bad, but eventually, you know, eventually his luck runs out. And, yeah. um, and so, so that's my favorite part of the job. I, I really, really like working my canine and I really like, um, I really like going after these guys that, that are really, really taking advantage of the resource. And that's, that's the questions I wrote down. Awesome, man. All right. I think, I think we've, I do have one mini question. Okay. Going in. Um, I've, I've learned any... that he doesn't have many questions. Right. Many. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to ask a little while ago, but uh, yeah. do you have any idea on the black bear population at all? What kind of number we're looking at? Cause when I was, so I took my, um, my hunter safety course in Brown County with a gentleman named Alan Wright in 1999. I want to say it was March or April of 1999. And at that time, he told us that we had nine sows each with two cubs on the Pennsylvania, West Virginia border in Ohio. Uh, And those were just the ones that were collared that they knew about. And of course we've heard about, you know, bears for years in Adams County and out East. So do you have any idea on the population? So that's a, that's a question that I would have to um, research. Uh, So occasionally, occasionally we do send out, um, you know, updates. We get it from wildlife management. You know, our, our division is broke into wildlife management, fish management, law enforcement and information and education. And um, as an officer, we cross over in all those different areas but wildlife management is the one who handles all those sightings and all that data. So for me okay. to give you an accurate answer, um, I, I would need to look into that on my own and, and, and get back to you on that. But that's something okay. that I will, I will do right now is when we really get a lot of sightings that pop up, 
Um, this sure. is the time of year that, you know, it's, it's, it's bear sighting season. I've already, Baiting I've season. already seen a picture of, of a couple young bears hanging out in Vinton County um, that a guy sent me, but, you know, talking about either you bring up, you know, these sightings um, and you talk about bobcat season, it's very important. I think that people have gotten to the point now where, you know, Oh, it's another bobcat in my trail camera. Um, <laughs> you know, when we're trying to vouch for, you know, a season that our population can, can handle a, a trapping season mm -hmm. for bobcats, it's important that these sightings get reported. And if you go to wildohio.gov and you can report a sighting, whether it be a bald eagle, um, whatever, whatever it is, you can report it there. So if you're, see, if you see a black bear, you get a bobcat on your trail camera, you know, we urge guys to go do that because, um, you know, I think guys now it's just became common to be like, yeah, well, you know, I seen another bobcat yesterday, but that's not getting reported. And if it's not getting reported, you know, it didn't happen. Um, so right. with the black bear sightings, with the, um, with all, with the bobcat sightings, the easiest thing to do is go to our website and report it. There's, there's even a GPS little locator where you can drop a pin in the area where, you know, you've seen the bobcat. Um, so, so yeah, that's something important when you're talking about these, these populations It helps us justify, um, you know, why the trapping season would be necessary or if the population can handle it. Um, and you know, you guys are our eyes and ears out there. All right. Awesome, man. Man, that, we appreciate you, dude. This is uh, this has been awesome. Like this has been so hour. great. I like it. <laughs> hey, I, I've I've enjoyed it, guys. I, I really appreciate it. It's nice. I hope we get some hope we get some feedback and um, you get some more questions. You know, I'd be I'd be more than glad to come back on and answer it. I think uh, I think it'd be cool sometimes. Maybe have you guys uh, have you guys come over to one of our canine trainings. That would be oh, so dude. cool. We would, we would love, we would love to do that. Like to uh, get 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 you over and get to get to see the dogs work and get to see what they can do, and um, and I think it'd be neat for you to give you give you a different um, experience for sure. That'd Absolutely, be amazing, man. How's your turkey season, by the way? <laughs> I'm waiting for that one. <laughs> oh man, um, the struggle is real. You look like every person I've seen on our page. <laughs> if you if you wanna. Um, you know, I pride myself in being a, a pretty good turkey hunter. I la last year was just too good, I guess. But um, no. So I mean, if you want to talk a little shop as far as that goes, you know, this is the elite outdoors. Um, the first day I got to hunt, you know, for a while I'm working, you know, bait sites and that. But the first day I got to hunt, I called three long beards in on a string, and um, and we we were we were looking at a double, and about 70 yards they locked up, and just locked up on the decoys, uh, running, oh, a, run, running a Jake and hen and they walked away goblin. And, um, I mean, everything from that happened to, I was, I was, I was on a bird and got chased out of the field by a bull. Um, <laughs> so, true story. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. The landowner said he was good, but apparently he did not like mossy oak camera. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so even, you know, even us wildlife officers that get to hunt, we, we deal with the same, same drama, but, um, you know, t today we had, we had a bird that was close and, um, actually it was a bird that, uh, we had within 30 yards and, um, couldn't, couldn't get a shot. Actually, you know, legally in the state of Ohio, it has to be a beard and turkey. And, uh, this bird popped over the knoll come into the call and all you could see was his head and he didn't stick around long enough to get a good shot. And 
Um, not only that, but you know, it's, uh, it's your responsibility as a hunter to make sure that turkey has a beard. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Couldn't, Absolutely. Couldn't see if he had a beard or not. And it's, uh, it's a lot better to, to let him walk. I mean, you know, a lot of people would say, you know, it had a, it had a red, white, and blue head on it. It had a beard, but, um, but what if it didn't? And yeah. right. that's, that's, that's not a, that's not a chance that I'm willing to take, but so, so my turkey season, um, I've seen a ton of birds, had a lot of good experience, um, you know, but it's, 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 it's been off. I'll just say that it's been the, <laughs> the coolest, rainiest turkey season I've ever experienced. Yep. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be out there actually tomorrow. It's supposed to be 29, 30 degrees here, but, um, you know, we're, it's crunch time right now. You it know? is. I agree, I know. man. I, uh... earlier on one of your earlier podcasts, I know, um, you guys discussing about, um, Rick shooting that Jake and how people feel about that. And, you know, it, we, I don't, congratulations. I mean, thank you. you. Exactly. You, you, you killed a, you kept saying you killed a legal bird. And that's, yeah. that's exactly right. If, if we had some, some problem with somebody shooting Jake's, we wouldn't let you shoot Jake's, but that's not the way it is. And, um, you know, it's crunch time right now. And I, I don't, I don't want to eat a tag and I'll put a, I'll put a sticker, you know, that last, that last few days of season, I might have to put a sticker on the back of my truck. to Jake Slayer. I, I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> Hey, like, like I've said before, um, I'm not too proud to throw the Jake breaks, but also I've never looked at a recipe that's ever said mature bird on it either. <laughs> and I, and I know you and I both, you know, I know we're big in the kitchen. I mean, yep. we, we share recipes back and forth and we love to cook and, and you're right. You know, when you, when you breast him out and put him in there, um, you know, it, yeah, it, it, it don't matter, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, you know, I've, I've had a lot of success killing killing birds over the years and learned a lot. And, you know, every, every time I go out there, it's a learning experience. I mean, I, I learned some things this year. Um, one of the other, I've been cursed this season. I'm telling you, I had a long beard coming in and had, uh, had three Jakes jump him on his way to the decoys. Oh, and geez. they, I mean, they beat him bad. Beat the snot out was, of him. That was on the same farm where um, those three locked up on those decoys. And I had a Jake decoy. Um, so on that farm, you know, I haven't, you know, I've been on there in a while, but I'm, I'm not using a Jake decoy anymore there. So, mm-hmm. you know, tur- turkey hunting is very humbling this time, this time last year, you know, I was responsible, I think for, for at least four deaths of, of turkeys by this time of the season. And, um, at this point right now, I'm responsible for, I think I killed a wasp in my blind the other day, but that's <laughs> it. I, <laughs> Um, the struggle, and I'm not, I'm not afraid, I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit it. And it's, it's, it, uh, it might be starting to get to me just a little bit. So anybody out there, um, yeah, the struggle is real. And, uh, this year has been my humbling, humbling experience. So do you, um, I'm just going to keep grilling you here. Um, yeah, you're fine, if man. there was ever a person to ask, it's gotta be you when it comes to turkeys breeding, do you feel like ground temp, controls their breeding or do you feel it's a moon thing like or uh, excuse me a uh, time of year uh, photo period like it is with white tails how do you do you think you could explain that at all because all I know is that <clears throat> every time we have very very warm weather uh, significantly before our season the gobbling sucks it, I don't know and you know everybody says, well, they already bred or it's got them all messed up or whatever. And I don't know how to explain it. And then, so when you take that, 
And then you take the BS weather that we've had during turkey season, which is the exact opposite, cold and rainy, super, probably the coldest turkey season I've ever experienced, honestly. I've been hunting them since 99, and uh, I've never, I've hunted a couple of cold days, and um, I drove uh, a little ways northeast to hunt with a buddy, and it was 22 freaking degrees when I got out of the truck, and I'm like, this is, this is like the end of gun season. Yeah. This is muzzleloader season weather. So, I mean, the question you asked me, you know, in my opinion, that's a biologist question. Okay. You know, we, we, we employ experts, um, you know, that, that understand the biology of Turkey and how everything works. And, and all I can say is, um, it's kind of like this when, when, when guys are killing birds and season's going great, Mm -hmm. they got it they got it right this year when, 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 when guys aren't killing birds and, and things aren't going great, the state messed up. So yeah. Numbers are down. The game wardens need to cut it to one bird. And I'm like, guys, they're turkeys. They piss you off for a reason. They're wild turkeys. Well, and you know, I think I trust, you know, we got some, we got some wonderful employees when it comes to the management section. I mean, the, the these guys, you know, you know, we got a lot of doctors that work for us and stuff like that. These guys know what they're doing. And, um, you know, I'm, you know, as a wildlife officer, I have a, you know, a little bit of knowledge and, and all of that stuff, but I'm not going to second guess them. Um, you know, I, the reasons why I haven't killed this turkeys this season, I doesn't have anything to do with when the season came in. Right. Um, oh, God. So, so I, I obviously, um, you know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, deer come in the rut the same time every year and you know weather may affect how their movements and stuff but um you know i i think that our biologists do a really good job of setting it up and if you're a guy who's tagged out already you agree if you're a guy who hasn't (laughs) killed yet you probably think i'm crazy but um but i'm sitting here haven't haven't punched a tag yet and i i i uh i think that you know it's one of those things that um it, it they know what they're doing and I, I trust them in that. And I, I don't have the answer. I don't have the knowledge base to attempt to answer that question. Okay. Um, All but, but, you know, in, in the future, I, I, I know a guy, you know, I know a guy that yeah, if um, you, wouldn't that you, mind, could, uh, you could put on, you could put on the podcast here um, who, uh, who, who, you know, it is a turkey biologist. That might be something that you guys would want to do. And we can, we can link that up, but absolutely. God. Yeah. And you know, you got it. You guys all know, you know, the two-year-olds are the most vocal birds. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, so those are birds that are just hammering, hammering, hammering. Um, and, you know, a lot of th- times I think that, you know, the spring and, and the activity depends on, you know, is there a bunch of two-year-olds around and, um, and what the hatch was, you know? I mean, you got to think this year's hatch is, is the gobblers will be hunting two years from now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- this year's Jake's running around will be the gobblers, you know, we're, we're mm-hmm. hunting next year so um i think there's a lot to it but yeah i uh uh, i'm gonna bow out and say that i'm not qualified to answer the ambient temperature slash whatever (laughs) biology question you tried to suck me into there (laughs) fair enough man i'll tell you what uh if you still got a tag in your pocket and you want to link up sometime maybe next week or something and hit some public um maybe we can do something like that now, now, now he's questioning my ability to hunt turkeys. I, I, feel like <laughs> no, no, I just want to hunt. I just want to hunt with a fellow turkey nut. <laughs> so, I, I think it's funny because anytime you meet somebody 
that loves to hunt wild turkeys, you always know it. Um, and there's people that will go out and just sit in a blind or whatever. And that's, that's fine. Um, only when it, only when it's downpouring. Yeah, exactly. And then there's the guys who, uh, they understand why they love turkey hunting. And it's because I don't have to sit in the damn blind or the tree stand. And, uh, I always lie to myself and tell me, tell myself that I got to carry less, but now, uh, I purchased some decoys that don't even fold up now. And so I look like I've got like six people hanging from my back and it's, and then we're getting into filming. So, uh, I take more stuff every year now, but it's a blast, man. And it's been a, uh, a good season. I, I think I, I hear the same thing every year running that sp- the page, especially the first week of the season, people that don't have good private farm birds struggle because the birds aren't gobbling like crazy. And then into the second week and third week, the gobbling picks up. Uh, it might not be where, you know, you've got that influx of two-year-olds. Um, you might be working some mature birds that shut up on you and come in silent or something. And, and the biggest people don't understand too. If you've got farms with three, five, eight Jake's running around, they'll beat the shit out of a Tom and those toms will not gobble. I had a farm last year. We had eight jakes on that farm. And the first time I hunted that farm, that gobbler was ruling the roost. The next time I came, it was the lightest gobble you could ever hear. And he was roosted away from all of the other turkeys. And I think people lose sight of what a sex ratio can do. Uh, food source, uh, there's 30,000 different things that come into play rather than the ODNR brought the season in too late or too early or um, numbers are numbers are always down every single year the numbers are down with deer and turkeys but I keep seeing them go up somehow so that's where I'm just like you guys gotta have a little more grit yeah you know I I get it 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 does get frustrating when you're out there chasing these birds and um, but I mean it's you know I love the whitetail deer hunt but man, it's, it's hard to, um, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to explain, um, what it's like, you know, that turkey that gobbled today, he was so close, you know, he rattled my ears. And, uh, (laughs) when you, when you, when you can hear it in your, and you can feel it in your, in your chest. Um, yeah, but now I will, you know, there's a lot of people, I don't think, you know, those, those, my biggest birds I've ever killed were silent birds. And, um, last year I literally, I was sitting on a logging road at the base of a tree and I had a bird walk literally five yards from me and the only reason I knew he was there is because I could feel his drumming in my chest mm-hmm. and, and I looked out of the corner of my eye and he was he was at eye level right beside me at five yards and he continued on to the decoy and I, I was able to get a shot at him when he when he turned his hand to me but um and and I I, I killed that bird but um I think a lot of people you know us running gunners a lot of times we'll pick up and we take off and then, you know, how many times you got a hundred yards from that spot and the bird gobbled right exactly yep. where you came from. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and the longer, the longer I hunt turkeys, you know, um, patience, um, you know, I like to run and gun. I like to be on a hot bird, but sometimes it just pays to just find a good spot and just, just hold tight. Yep. Yeah. Um, righty, guys. Well, um, we're at two hours and this has been one hell of a podcast. So, uh, officer Gilkey, I want to thank you again for coming on with us and, you know, letting us pester you with questions and all that kind of stuff for two hours. And, you know, um, we're definitely going to have you back on uh, as long as you'll allow it. 
So yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, this is this is part of our job. I mean, um, part of our job is you know public outreach, and you know I, I enjoy talking hunting, and I enjoy you know talking the job, and um, and if there's anything that you know we can get on here and clarify, and and guys, um, you know guys feel more comfortable um, listening to this stuff, then then great. I'll um, you know you guys asked about the job and everything, and I was at the North North American. Uh, wildlife officer museum north american game board museum it's on the border of north dakota and, and canada it's actually in the international peace garden up there okay and uh every wildlife officer that's that's ever been you know killed in the line of duty there's names that are etched on a plaque and stuff up there and there's a there's a memorial section and um there's a na- there's a there's a quote on a rock that a pennsylvania game warden put on there and it said if god made a better job he kept it for himself and, nice. you know, just, just to sum up this podcast, guys, you know, a lot of people ask about the job, but I mean, I, I can't, I can't say that any better. You know, if, if God made a better job, he kept it for himself and, and, uh, anybody out there listening who has, you know, ambitions of being a wildlife officer, you know, go for it. Um, you know, if you, if you want it bad enough, you can get it. And, uh, I, I recommend that you, uh, you put your heart into it and you'll, you'll find out that, um, you know, you don't really have to work if you find a job that you love so much. So that's, uh, that's all I got to say, fellas. And I appreciate you having me on here. It's been a pleasure. Uh, maybe next time I'll, uh, I'll give let Mattis make a guest appearance on here and, um, and, uh, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk more fish and wildlife. Sounds yeah, good, man. Absolutely, Sounds good, man. We appreciate you, brother. Thanks. Absolutely. All right. Thank you guys for what you do. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, this has been Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm uh, your host, Rick Cates, joined by my host, co-host, yeah, host. Host. <laughs> host. 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 <laughs> Chris, Chris Leppert. Leppert. Uh, it's getting late in the night. So um, we will come at you later with uh, more great content. Absolutely. Talk to you later, guys. Bye. And that will do it for today, guys. Thanks again for listening. As a reminder, if you could take the time and give us a five-star rating or give us a good review or both, both are very much helpful. We're on all major podcasting platforms and hope that you give us a listen. We're on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, CastBox, and Anchor. Hopefully you enjoyed the show and we look forward to bringing you more great content, guys. Thanks again. Bye.